This morning, I, well, anytime people talk about Jesus, I'm happy about that. And there seems to be, because of our culture, there, there are a lot of people talking about Jesus at this time of the year. And for that, I give thanks, because it gives us a jumping off point. The, the focus of most people, though, at this time of the year is the birth of Jesus, and and that's good. I, I'm glad that people are talking about the birth of Jesus, and it is a, a fundamental tenet of the Christian faith. Jesus who was God, took upon himself flesh and came and dwelt among us. He came into this world not as a king, not placed on a throne, but he came into this world, the the child, the babe, the infant of a young woman, and grew uh, and never had anything really special about his life, just a son of a carpenter in Nazareth. I mean, the incarnation, the the coming of Jesus into this world is just something that you can think about and just be amazed by, that this is what God would choose. But I want us to go beyond that this morning. I, I know that a lot of people stop at the manger, and what they know about Jesus, they know from nativity scenes in the front of the yards that they sometimes see in December, and there's so much more. I want us to get beyond the manger this morning. You see, and I think that there's a reason for it, because while the birth of Jesus is a, is a central truth, and we could not have any hope without his coming, we would not have a Redeemer, we would not have a Savior, we would not have God with us if Jesus had not taken upon himself flesh. But beyond that, Jesus... Um, becomes a little difficult. You see, when I think of Jesus in the manger, I I think of him as a babe and why he's helpless. He had to be carried, he had to be fed, he had to be clothed, he had to be changed, he had all those things. He, he He was completely helpless, dependent on his mother. But as a man, Jesus wasn't helpless. In fact, he was all powerful. He was a strong man. He was the son of God. He was able to perform miracles. He was able to withstand temptation. He was able to discipline himself and live a perfect life. There's never been a man strong as strong as Jesus was. As a babe, uh, Jesus, well, he was, um, he was loved. Who doesn't love a baby? You know, we've got people, you know, there's... Uh, uh, Lee and Lindley back there, and they've got a little newborn right now, and there are others, and, and when they bring the... Who can't love a little baby? They're, they're lovable. Everybody, they're cute, they're adorable. They, they, but Jesus grew up, and as a man, Jesus was hated rather than loved. Oh, I know that there are some, and still some, who love him as a man, but the masses hated Jesus Loved as a babe, but hated as a man. And the reason is because as a babe, Jesus only placed expectations on his mother. But as a man, he places expectations on all of us. I've heard people who are grandparents say something along this line, and and you've probably said it if you're in that situation. I love grandchildren because when they get fussy, you can just what? 
you can just give them back. You know, you can, and, and you know, the, no demands, you know, when, when I get tired of it, I can just turn it over and, and then it's somebody else's responsibility. When Jesus was a baby, he was his mother's responsibility. He made demands on her, but he made no moral demands on me. But as an adult, he does. As a man, Jesus points his finger at me and says, this is the way you're supposed to live. This is the way you're supposed to talk. This is the way you're supposed to conduct yourself. And you're not doing that. You're sinful. You need to conform your life more closely to the will and the, the desire of God and the character of God. And so because of that, sometimes people... You see, what I'm saying is it's easy to love the baby, but you have to get to know him to love the man. And I want us to get to know Jesus better this morning. I think we know about his birth, but I want to talk about some things, not about his birth, but about who he was, his, his character as a man. You know, last words, and that's the title of this lesson, the last words of Jesus. Last words are, oh, they're important words. Well, at least when they are spoken with the understanding that they may very well be your last words. Um, Richard Baxter lived in the 1600s. He was a Puritan preacher, and he was dying, and he was on his deathbed. And as he was, and he knew he was dying. And as he was about to die, one of his close friends came to his bedside and said, Richard, how are you? And he said, I'm almost well. And then he died. Now, I don't know if he spoke the truth, but what he said was true in terms of a principle. Well, what words to leave with? The realization that if you die in Christ, it's better. You know, you'll, you'll be well. You'll be freed from the, the, the corruptible body. Um, like I said, I don't know if he was prepared to meet his God, but I know that that's what he said, and those were the last words. This year, last week of, of uh, September, my dad died. And uh, it was after a very short illness, very unexpectedly. And, oh, I can't tell you how many times and how much time I've spent racking my brain trying to remember. You know, I was in a meeting in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and Dad had to go to the hospital. And so I drove on up uh, about three hours to, to be with him one day as he was in the hospital. And, man, I have tried to remember our conversation and the things that we talked about. And I remember a lot of the things that we did talk about. And those things are, are special to me because they were his last words. I was able to get, while I was at home, I was able to get the last sermon that dad ever preached. And uh, put that on the website. His voice was very weak uh, from the sickness that he had had. And, um, you know, he, he talked about, and it was appropriate as a person comes to the end of their life, whether he knew it or not, what he talked about in that sermon is why I want to go to heaven. And he talked about wanting to be with the saints and friends that have gone on before. He wants to be there with his family. He wants to be there with God. He wants to avoid hell. 
and all those things. And boy, that, that is a special sermon to me because they were his last words. This morning, I want us to look at the last words of Jesus because they too hold special meaning. Because Jesus wasn't taken in an accident. He was, his life wasn't snuffed out by uh, unexpected circumstances. He knew what was going to happen. And so the last things he said, he said with purpose and with intent, knowing these are the last words. Well, what did he say? If you have your Bible, you might want to turn or you might be tempted to turn to one of the gospel accounts and turn to the crucifixion event, but that's not the last words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus are found elsewhere in the Bible. You see, the real, now that's the last words he said on this earth, on the cross and so forth, but the real last words of Jesus are found in the book of Revelation. And if you have your Bible, open it to the book of Revelation, the 22nd chapter, the very last chapter in your Bible, before you get to the maps, uh, we're uh, going to look at the last words of Jesus. And I think that what he has to share with us is significant and uh, worth considering this morning. Number one, look at Revelation chapter 22. And look at what he says in verse 13. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. What does that mean? That's what Jesus said. It's one of the very last things he ever said. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Well, he's telling us of his deity. He's telling us that he is God. He's telling us that He is everything. You know, Alpha and Omega, that's the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. It's like us saying, I am A to Z. He's everything in between. He's the consummation of all things. He's the beginning and He's the end. Everything about life and our purpose is focused on Him. How often have you heard Edwin say it's all about Jesus. You know why he says that? Because it is. It is all about Jesus. Jesus is deity. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you get down to verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you look at verse 3 of that chapter, he says also that that Word that was with God and was God also was that which created, or He who created all that there is. He's deity. He's the beginning of it all, and He's the end of it all. And if you want an easy way to remember, if you want to know about Jesus and His deity, just remember John chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 1, because they all affirm the same thing. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says that Jesus, by Him, all things were created. It was by Him. He made it all. The creation, the world, the principalities and powers. He he did it all. He made it all. 
In Hebrew chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says God the Father appointed Jesus the Son to create the world. And He did. So all three of those passages teach us that He's deity. He was there with God. And the reason is because He was God. So one of the last things that Jesus tells us is He wants us to know, I am God. I am the beginning and the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega. All things began with me, and all things are going to end with me. Don't lose sight of who he is. He's not just a man. He's God. Look at a second thing that Jesus said, one of the last things he said in this chapter. If you look at verse 16, Jesus said, I've sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. In that passage, what Jesus is saying is he's affirming that he was the one of which the prophet spoke. Interesting that Jesus is both the root and the offspring. I thought the root was the source. It's what gives life to the tree. Jesus says, I am the root and the offspring of David. How can that be? It seems like an inconsistency. Not if you understand his deity. Jesus brought David into being, but he was also a descendant of David's in his incarnation. And he's the bright and morning star. Do you ever get up early in the morning before the sun rises? And you see, well, it's Venus. Have you ever seen Venus in the morning? It, it, it's usually low on the horizon, and, and it's like a, it's a precursor of the dawning of the sun. And, and that, that bright light draws your attention to it, and it announces it's almost morning. The sun, a new morning, a new day, will soon arrive. And that's the way Jesus is described, as the bright and morning star. Jesus announces for us the dawning of a better day, the dawning of an eternal day in which we can live with God in heaven forever. So Jesus says, I'm deity. Don't forget that. And he says, I'm the one that was spoken of by the prophet. I'm the root and the offspring of Jesse or of David. I'm the one who was to come and save the world from their sins. Here's the third thing that he said. Look at chapter 22 and verse 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. He says, blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. What Jesus is telling us in this passage, what he's affirming in this passage is we need to obey him. And blessings will follow those who do obey him. Jesus didn't come to the earth just to be ignored, dismissed, pushed in a corner. He, he came with a message, and that message is important. He says, you've got to listen and heed what I'm saying. And if you heed it, you'll be blessed. If you don't, boy, there's a price to pay. Jesus wants to be remembered. He wants us to be obedient to the message that he brought us. He doesn't want us to hear his words as if he's just some other man where we can take it or leave, you know, leave it. You know, it's up to us. He says, I've got a message. You will be blessed if you listen. If you don't listen, what's going to happen? Well, we learn about that too. So Jesus says, my words are important. 
Listen to me. In John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus said, listen, you can reject me and my words. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But I'm telling you, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. You can't destroy his word. You can rip it out of your Bible. You can plug your ears as they did with Stephen. But those words stand forever. And someday we'll be judged by them. Jesus wants you to know that. These words you need to listen to. Here's another thing that Jesus said on this last occasion. He said, I come quickly. In verse 7, also again in verse 12, and even again in verse 23 times, in this passage, Jesus says, I come quickly. Now, of what coming is that? You know, there's a lot of talk in the book of Revelation about a number of comings of Jesus. Of those seven churches, when you begin reading the book, he says, you need to get this right, and if you don't get it right, if you don't repent, I'll come and remove your candlestick. There were all kinds of comings of the Lord in the book of Revelation spoken of. Not his final coming, but his coming in judgment upon uh, uh, this people. He may have reference in this chapter to his coming upon Rome. They have been the enemy of the church. They have bathed in the blood of saints. And he may be telling the church in this last chapter, hang on, I'm coming quickly. I'll fix this. But he may look beyond that and be talking about his coming at the end. He may be talking about not in terms of, you know, immediacy, but in terms of unexpected. His coming is sudden in that sense, which the word quickly and sudden can be used in that fashion as well. But whichever way you want to take it, here's what it's saying. Jesus is coming. And whether it's in judgment on Rome or whether it's in judgment upon the unrighteous of this world, he's coming. He wants us to know that. Don't forget that. How many times did he tell us in the book of Matthew and his gospel accounts? So look at Matthew chapter 25 and, and the parables of the people who were unprepared for his coming. He tried to emphasize, folks, get ready. You don't know when I'm coming, and I'm coming, so be ready because when I come, you'll be judged. And then the last thing that he said in this chapter is that he will come and reward everyone according to his work. Look at verse 20 or chapter 22 and verse 12. Behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. He wants us to know that too. There will be a judgment. When I come, I'm coming and I'm going to give you what you have done according to your work. Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you lived your life for him? Will you receive that kind of a reward? Or will you have squandered through procrastination and selfishness and a host of other things? Will he come and find you unprepared? He has something for those who find themselves in that situation too. He wants us to know, I'm coming. And you're going to get according to the way you live. We reap what we sow. Isn't that a divine principle? We reap what we sow. 
If we're going to live for the Lord when He comes again, we'll be rewarded. And if we're going to live for ourselves when He comes again, we'll receive the fruit of our labor. Those are the last words of Jesus. And I find them interesting because he knew they would be, they would be his last words. This is the end. It's the last thing that Jesus ever said. And he'll never say anything else until he comes again. The last page of your Bible. This is what Jesus had to say. Don't you know they're worth listening to and thinking about and meditating upon and mulling over in your mind because of all the things he could have said, these are the things he said. And, well, what it boils down to is this. The last words that Jesus spoke, well, they they remind me of who he is. He's God. They tell me what he expects of me. Read, pay attention to, obey the words of this book and you'll be blessed. And he tells me that I'm coming again and you'll be rewarded according to your labor. My question to you this morning is, have you given thought to the final words of Jesus? They're powerful, they're challenging, and they're special because they're his last words. Of all the things he could have said, this is what he chose to finish with. And so this morning, I want you to be mindful of the deity of Christ. He is God. And because he's God, he is worthy of praise and honor. He's worthy of us to give our lives for him. What he's done for us, how, how can we ever repay? We can't. But what we should do is try to live in his footsteps. Listen to his word. Don't argue with it. Don't rebel against it. Don't fight it. Submit yourself to it. And he promises we'll be blessed. And he reminds us, I'm coming. And when I come, there'll be a judgment. Listen to his words. Are you ready for his coming? What if he came today, right now? What if God in heaven, in his great mercy, has said, you know what, I'm going to give these folks one more Sunday. One more chance. You, You do know there will be, the day will come when we will be at our last worship service. The last one. It may be because we die, or it may be because it's just the last one. There will be a last Sunday morning worship service. What if it's today? And we'll never again meet together. We'll never again hear the sermon preached. We'll never again sing songs of praise to God. We'll never again hear an invitation to obey the gospel of Christ. What if today was that day? Are you prepared? Have you listened to the last things that Jesus said, those things that were on his heart, the last thing that he said to you before he said, I'll say no more? If you're not prepared, if you haven't acknowledged him as Lord and Savior, if you've not obeyed his will, and if you've not lived in view of his second coming and the judgment, then you need to make those changes now. 
Because I can just see someday in the day of judgment, he'll say, maybe, didn't you ever open this book and look at the very last thing I said? Didn't you see I said who I was? I told you I was coming again. And I told you to listen to the things contained in this book and you'll be blessed. And I told you that you'll be judged by the way you lived. You, did you not read that? It's the last thing I told you. How can you miss it? I don't want any of us to miss it. If you need to respond to the gospel of Christ this morning, do it today. Don't put it off. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. Because someday, it'll be the last day. If you need to obey the gospel of Jesus by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, we'll assist you in that this morning. And if you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to make things right, you need to repent, you need to let your brethren know, I've changed. You may just need the prayers for strength of your brethren who love you and will support you and pray for you. If that's the case, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.